0: Welcome to another episode of It's Server Time. This is our first episode of 2021, but there has been already a very big event. Yes, I am talking about... Capital Riots, of course. Nope, the Battle of Betway. Close, though, (laughs) Mix. It was the Battle of Betway. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be us three here on this pod, but we're going to be mostly focusing on, actually, the Blast Global Finals. Great games, actually, for online CS... I'm pretty happy with how this turned out i feel like this was really competitive and i feel like this has kind of been the theme for me is that when there's a lot of money on the line people can be visibly pressured there, there's actually more room for people to to miss big shots to win big clutches i feel like all of this stuff
1: breaks down more when the pressure's on but what have you guys liked about blast just to open things up uh, i mean i think it helps that you know coming after a player break a lot of the events last year just getting very stale and you know, you kind of go a month without CS and you're like, oh, yeah, this is actually, I'm excited for this again. And then, you know, <laughs> it's like Blast comes back. And Blast is like a good one to come back to because it's like, it's kind of like, for me at least, it's the event that's come most close to having like kind of like somewhere it's like a land feeling, if that makes sense, like where the event feels important. I feel like there's a lot of um, work put into the event itself and the broadcast and everything. And yeah, you could tell that like the, the pressure is on. I mean, you had a lot of the good teams um, playing well. Uh, Liquid Vitality, and all and kind of the heat of it. And seeing all those teams just from the start of the year, from the get-go, seem kind of like probably like the top three teams in the world at the moment all kind of fighting each other in such good matches was exciting to see.
2: Yeah, I think with Blast starting right after the player break and the, the North American teams also traveling there and having some decent time to practice this time around, it made it that much more exciting because there was a lengthy break for all the teams. And then some of these teams made it there a little bit earlier, like EG and Liquid and they could actually practice a little bit more coming into it. So it made those storylines a bit more exciting.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I feel like the the point that you really hit mix that I feel like is just the super accurate is it gets it gets kind of tiring when you just watch online CS after online CS. I don't almost after a while, I don't mind who puts it on because it just feels like more of the same. But when you have that break, you do desire it after a while. It's when you when you step away from the game for a minute then you begin to appreciate it even more. And it's great that the first real big event of the year had pretty much every team we wanted to see. I don't know if anybody really wanted to see this version of complexity, but we're not gonna talk about them too much anyways. So uh, let's actually talk, let's start first with the champions. So Na'Vi actually winning the grand finals there and they did it through the lower bracket from the very beginning. They had the hardest possible route in terms of total matches played, but they they actually cleaned this up. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't always pretty, but they actually looked really solid in a lot of the matches that they did end up winning. And the first one that I want to bring up is how they ended up playing liquid twice in this one and it was actually just they the same maps they just ran it back, but they looked much better on Inferno and nuke was pretty close the first time, but the second time around they they ended up just snagging that one. So what do you guys think? Um, we could talk about liquid and Navi here, but what do you guys think about the performances from? from Na'Vi, let's start with them, on how they did in this rematch.
2: I think just having rematches on the same map gives the team that lost inherent, an inherent advantage every time, because you can always learn from the mistakes you made. Uh, but also, let, let's be honest here, in these in these last couple of matches for Na'Vi, Boom Bitch showed up to fuck your bitch, because <laughs> holy shit, he went off in some of these matches. Um, but also all around, I think Na'Vi just looked like they really tightened up after losing that first match to Liquid. They also played five, I think they played every team in this event except for EG and Furia, which yeah. is really impressive in their run as a whole because it just showed that they were able to consistently beat every other style of team as well. But I will say, Simple was absolutely crazy this tournament. And I also really want to give a lot of credit to Perfecto because he helped them close out a lot of rounds that they that they usually just seem to lose uh, whether it be to time or it be to just like really tight situations. Um, so I think that was a big part of them winning some of these rounds. The Liquid rematch specifically, I think that Liquid actually definitely had some of those rounds in their hands, especially on Inferno. Um, but I don't know whether they lost it just due to inexperience or because because Navi did a really good job of exploiting the sort of uh, individual calls that were being made. But I remember specifically there were some rounds... Uh, like on a site where uh, Na'Vi just clinched like 3v2s over and over to to make it across, so uh, all around, I I was really impressed with their run, so.
1: I just think it also kind of helped Na'Vi, after the first time they lost to Liquid, they kind of they had like a 2-1 against Complexity, I think it was, which wasn't yeah. really that impressive, because um, obviously Complexity really been struggling. But the match after that, they played G2, which, like, you know, you would expect that to be a good match, and they just, like, rammed the fuck out of G2, like, they just Absolutely decimated them. I don't really know what was going on with you two there, but um, I think it kind of helps. Like note said, like there is a factor where like you know you play a match and like you lose two close maps, just kind of naturally it can kind of help you the next time you play them because you kind of remember a lot of the scenes that you lost for. And if like Liquid didn't prepare well enough, you know looked at those matches well enough back, then Navi would have the advantage going back into it. So I think just a combination of you know Navi getting past like the first match, which you know they're never really that sick in. And then, you know, getting past the first match, building some confidence against complexity, and especially against G2, and then helps to run it back against Liquid. I thought what was really surprising to me, especially in the matches against, I think it was Vitality and Liquid, was it, obviously you have simple popping off, but Electronic wasn't really, like, you know, like, right beside him or anything there. Like, Electronic was, like, kind of pretty average in the series, even though Na'Vi was... Uh, taking that's about those teams
0: i i feel like electronic in this tournament was actually pretty average in general um he yep. didn't he had a he had a couple of games where he looked pretty good but i would just say he looks like a solid piece for navi here as opposed to being a top five player in the world kind of thing and that that's kind of that's actually pretty concerning for me because to see Boomich and perfecto play as well as they did uh I mean, that that's great, honestly. And if if they can keep replicating those performances, then I think Na'Vi is gonna just destroy this year. But realistically speaking, it's probably more like Boomich and uh, Perfecto will come back down to earth just a little bit and Electronic will play a little bit better. And we saw last year that even when the one-two punch of Simple and Electronic was, was there, they couldn't get it done. So I, I wonder, does this just give Na'Vi another tool in terms of, is Boomich or is Perfecto going to show up? And if they can, then great. They can actually win tournaments. And weirdly, it's almost like, it's almost just like for me, if Boomich, after Simple, if Boomich is doing very well, I feel like Na'Vi actually kind of hit this unstoppable feeling it, it's so difficult because the way that boomage plays is so annoying the way he pretty much always wants more info so if he's not dying as he's trying to get more info for navi then they just have con- complete control over whatever it is that they're doing there they know exactly what's happening um yeah i would let's let's uh let's throw it to kind of overall when navi played this tournament what I because I, I, I had a I had a tough time with this question but I still want to pose it to you guys what do you guys think Navi did well
2: I think they fit bit into their lineup really well actually like, it looks like he's a little bit more comfortable than he was uh in the matches he was playing previously uh especially on Inferno he was able to slot in and actually have a lot of impact in some of those rounds uh getting more information as well so I think with that. It just seemed like the team as a whole were also more comfortable around him. And maybe that's why Electronic also just didn't need to freak out as much. There was just more individual power. And just in general, they, they fit together a little bit better. So I think that definitely helped their run. Uh, and again, Simple had such a ridiculous tournament this time around. Um, his stats were just absolutely off the charts. But that's that's partially because they just steamrolled through this tournament. mm
1: mm-hmm. I was gonna say, like, I think in the future, some like Navi's gonna have to do more to integrate it and integrate it more on more maps. Because, like you said, like I don't really count on Perfecto and Flamy playing this well, like for an entire year. Or Perfecto, like, is pretty, you know, whatever, uh, consistent. But more so, like between like Flamy and Boomich consistently being able to frag and being able to be there to pick up the pieces. Just even when Electronic is playing well, because it seems like you know they need like a consistent third piece going off. And I don't think. Like long term, I don't really see Flamey being the answer. Um, Boomich doesn't really seem like he's going to be like that consistent just in general. So I think like it's going to come down to integrating Bit more and better um, in terms of turning Navi into like a more consistent team, like just more of just like a complete monstrosity of like a CIS just super team, super skill. Like because if you have like Bit who just has nuts aim, you know, and you actually are able to integrate into most of your maps, um, have them feeling comfortable. And you have that along with electronic and simple. That could be a lot better than what they've had so far with uh uh with Flamey the past yeah. couple years. I think Flamey
0: hasn't really I, I think I've said this before, but I still feel like Flamey hasn't changed his game up too much. And I still see him in these situations where he's not supposed to die just take a lot of risks, and it worries me a lot because I think after the player break, it's tougher for teams to to capitalize on the fact that he's sometimes out of position. And when Flamy's aim is on, it's great, but he still puts himself in very vulnerable spots that if the other players are in really good, like have really good trade spacing, um, and, I'll, and I'll give an example. At, at ramp, for example, Flamy will pretty much fall, he'll like try to take an initial fight at ramp, and he'll always fall back but if it goes silent for maybe 20 seconds, he will almost always try to re-aggress. Like he will always try to find something like, are they coming down ramp or are they coming down B? And I feel like sometimes it looks great because it's like, oh my God, he he timing them so well. Like they didn't expect them to re-aggress, but like I thought teams knew he did this after a while. I thought teams figured him out and I feel like they unfigured him out again so it's it, for me it's just concerning because he shouldn't be getting away with this like I saw him fail at this towards the tail end of last year a lot but it's
1: almost like everybody just forgot and now I think it's just a lot yeah. harder to deal with like when you're coming back from the break, and you're yeah. break in a bit. it's just harder to deal with shit like that like you guys are still like as a team like as your own team you probably come back from the break and you're like implementing some new shit so you know you're trying to run new stuff There's new scenes you're going over. Just and just in general, you guys haven't you guys took like a three week break from playing with each other, so Yeah. It's just harder to communicate things like that and be able to expect. And as you kinda get into the groove into the groove of the season, it can be teams kinda get more on the same page. And I think teams like Vitality and Astralis will start to punish that a lot more as they get further into the break. Or further into the season, I mean. Yeah.
0: I can I can agree with that. And I feel like it's like Pimp at the end of the broadcast kind of did that humbling thing he does where he's like He's like, well, I mean, congrats to Navi, but let's see how they play if they can keep doing this. And he, it was kind of like, God damn it, pimp, let him celebrate. But at the same time, it was also like, he's kind of right in that the way they won this didn't, it didn't feel like it was like, holy shit, they turned the page on teamwork or strategy or something like that. It was just players playing a little bit better than they normally play and it being very difficult to deal with them playing at this level. So I don't know what they did. I don't know what they ate in the, in the player break, but whatever it did, it paid off. So, uh so let's move on to Astralis. And I just really have one big question about Astralis that what, what kind of form do you guys think they're in right now? Do you guys think this is like a 2018, 19 Astralis where they're just dominating again? Or do you think like, like, have they been figured out by Navi? Are they, are they significantly lower? Maybe I'll do this compared to like, uh whatever like the best the peak Astralis that we see winning majors and big tournaments consistently, what kind of percentage are they in right now in terms of their form?
1: Uh I'd probably give them like I mean right now, because in terms of right now, also considering the past few months, I'd probably just put them at like 75 to 80 percent of like Damn. peak astrolis. That's I mean, really I low,
0: I feel like.
2: I, I, don't, I don't agree. Know, like, 80% I, sounds about right to me. Yeah,
1: play. I'd say like 80%. Like I don't know, I feel like Astralis like especially when they come back sometimes from these breaks, or just in general, like you know, they start to come back from certain things, it does feel like they just kind of take a bit to get rolling. Uh, Astralis doesn't really strike me as one of the teams like they come back from the break and they're just instantly on it again. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, there's certain ex- exceptions to that, like uh, the last major, which was kind of like right after the break, I believe. Um, so you know, sometimes it can benefit them, their style coming back, but at this point, it seems like Navi just came in in hotter form than Astralis did, and I'd probably still. That on Astralis so I had to consider what team's going to do the best for the over the course of the entire year
2: yeah I think Astralis are trying really hard to like fit Bubski into their system on nuke and I just really don't think he's a player (laughs) who's like he's just not the play I really am not a fan of it I'd rather see Zipnik stay on that map um yeah I think 80% is a pretty good assessment of them they don't look like they back, back when they were the world beating Astralis they would either cruise through teams, or they would look so tactically sound that you just wouldn't be able to argue against them winning a tournament or, like, beating, winning, like, an individual matchup. This time around, they just look, I guess, rough around the edges, which is something that I feel like you can't say about Astralis normally, but that's that's just how they felt at some points in this tournament to me. And also
1: just because, like, it is still online CS, and, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting Astralis to ever hit, like, even, like, 95 to 100% of, like, their Peak form whenever it's online. I just don't really think that's really doable.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have just put it like a smidgen higher. I wouldn't have said 70%. I would have probably said like 85 maybe or something. Like 80, 80 is reasonable. I could see that. But 70 seems really low for them to still make it to finals. I said 75 to 80. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. All right. Um, I feel like if, if I, I've thought about this more about the, the Bubsky fit for Astralis and, I feel like one of the most obvious moves for me would be to try to expand the map pool for Astralis to seven maps and play Mirage with Bubski because I feel like because when he was on Mad Lines that was a map that he consistently succeeded on for me. He was just a really good player in in terms of Mad Lines and the strategies that they were running. It was anytime it felt like a situation got hairy or um, they were down numbers, it was Bubsky that took really good initiative in rounds to, to try to break things open for them. And I feel like that, like if, if Astralis wanna actually prove the world, prove to the world that this isn't just some PR thing because they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar saying they're gonna make a 10-man roster, then I think this would be probably the mo- the boldest play is to say, all right, we are gonna start playing Mirage, we're gonna play it against teams that we think are bad at Mirage, and we are, we're gonna like surprise them with this veto and until they do something crazy like that, I mean, it's still just it's still just a PR move. It's still just like
1: wh- who like this is just you're just phoning it in. Like you're just okay. Here's yes. my counterpoint to that though. Okay, if you do that, you have to play Mirage, <laughs> and that's just and that's like a total I, negative in my opinion. Like, see, I would only do
0: it as a punish pick against teams that I think are bad at Mirage, which is rare. But like,
1: there's but a couple. You still have to
0: play Mirage, you know? Like, it's just yeah. you don't really win. It's that's like, that's that's kind of true, but let's say the map pool changes. Ugh, they probably would take out Mirage, wouldn't they? I hope.
2: So. have been so good with their with their map pick changes. Like always, yeah. their permaban is the one that's going out. Like it was
0: Cash take before. Take out Mirage. Yeah. It's
2: gonna be Mirage now. Like,
1: every <laughs> single
0: time they prep for the future. That's Cobble. <laughs> don't forget Cobble. Yeah, they were they were really on top of that. Take out actually. Mirage.
1: Just add like Ancient or Tuscan. Had something. I don't know what Charles to start banning after that, but. Just start. They should do this.
0: Bubsky, just play on only face it map core uh, hubs and just play <laughs> like Tuscan only. So when the map comes in, the dude's just a god at it. And everybody's yep. like, holy shit, he knows the meta so well.
2: <laughs> Bubsky, that's... the best Anubis player in the world. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah. Just Bubsky, practice on Anubis or Tuscan. We'll be ready for whatever's thrown into the map pool. <laughs> it's perfect. That's, that's where I would send him. All right. Uh, Vitality. So I segmented this into three different uh, portions, and it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we'll get to all three of them. So we'll start with the good for Vitality as in the results. I mean, it's a top three result. It was actually a really close series between themselves and Na'Vi in the lower bracket finals. They were so close to winning that, actually. Um, they I think they were... Uh, were they up 15 to like 12 or 15-11 or something on, on Nuke? So they had a really good chance of actually taking that one home. And they probably would have won the series in just two maps. So I I feel like it was a breakdown, the fact that they lost, they ended up losing on it, and then they did lose the whole series to Navi. But I still think that Vitality can be pretty happy about their performance in this tournament. They were also one round away from beating Astralis uh, in the upper bracket finals if they won on Dust2. It was a 16-14 game there. So- They're up
2: 13-7 on that map too.
0: Yeah, exactly. They they let some of these things slip away. So, do you guys let, let's just go for well, we'll do the good first. So, what do you guys think Vitality is doing well still?
2: I mean, Sorry. I think yeah, I think <laughs> I was still pretty nuts on this team. I think the the fact that they fell off in this tournament to me it was it was more like a mark against the other players on their roster. Like the team as a whole just didn't perform very well. Uh, there there's maps where I think like Zew had twenty five kills and everybody else had eight, and it's <laughs> yeah. just like that can't ha- you're just not going to win a win a match with those sort of lines, right? Um, so I think this may be a bit of a one off vitality in that sense where they where they weren't able to sort of maintain their performance going through, um, but yeah, Z- Zew looked really sick uh, throughout their whole bracket run. They also choked some leads, which I think yeah. really, really screwed them in this tournament. So I see them bouncing back. Uh, I'm still a fan of how they generally play. I just think that the the rest of the players sort of will need to step back up as, as we go forward.
1: I'm kind of curious, like, how well they integrating these two, uh, Masuta and Navara, Um Masuta, sorry. And Navera because, like, they were kind of, like, the two lowest rated players for them this event, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like... One of those two, like, those two are supposed to be, like, someone has to be, like, the second fragger or something behind Zaibu, like, the second player that's getting set up or something. And I don't know what if they're just not doing a good enough job. Shox had, like, a more decent tournament uh, this tournament, but he's still not someone generally nowadays I'm going to be able to rely on for that. So, like,
0: in terms yeah. of what they're
1: doing good, I think like, Shox was playing better this event. RPK, that's fine. But, like, the other three just, like, they something needs to give in terms of like there needs to be a another player that's like actually consistent like i know we said it before a lot but it's consistently having impact and it seems like one of those two should be able to to do it more but they're both still struggling
0: yeah i'm gonna actually call out a couple players on vitality here in particular um during the tournament i i feel like they w- the, the desk was harping a little bit more on RPK, but I still feel like he did okay in his roles, I would say. But for me, I think the biggest problem for this tournament was nevera actually, because he was crazy good in what they were doing at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. But this tournament, he had one of the most deaths per round of any player. And the way he was dying a lot of the time was... so. The way nevera likes to play sometimes is he just takes man fights with the OP. And in the Navi series, that just cost him. He he just died to simple over and over again. He was getting destroyed by Simple. And y- you want your Opera to feel confident against Simple, but there has to be ways to find success that don't that don't involve challenging him repeatedly. Because uh Navarra, I think in the Navi series, I think he was three for eleven. Like he was Three opening kills and I think eight deaths opening. And he was trying to just take these fights over and over again. That when I watched him before, it was like, holy crap, this dude is peeking down mid on Inferno with an op all the time against Astralis. And you think that they would eventually punish him, but they just didn't. And then this time people did people people kind of knew what he was going to do a little bit more and i think his individual playbook needs to expand because he's uh he's getting kind of found out he's getting read in a way where i don't it, it feels like you see the shortcomings of him as a player now a little bit more so and the other player i was going to call out was going to be apex because even in situations where so sometimes he's the entry and he just dies and that's fine but if he's in, in mid-late-round situations, I noticed, he kind of uh, had a hard time, it felt like, playing off of his teammates. And I feel like that was one of those things where when the games were getting close, it felt like Apex was probably trying to put too much on his own plate in terms of how the commas were going, I would say. And he wasn't focusing as much on his own individual performance. And, I mean, I've been there before as an in-game leader, and just, like, I think anybody can, can t- be, like, has has a story about this where basically you were t- trying to communicate and you didn't focus on your crosshair and then you just ended up dying and there were multiple times it wasn't just one incident it was multiple times where he like made a really bad kind of movement in a late round situation and in those kind of clutches that's when you need to be like as more as much on point as you can and you need to just like have that Immediate trust that you know that this player's got this angle, this player's got this angle, I need to focus on mine, and I need to win that fight because the only way we're winning is if I win my duel. It's not it's not micromanage everybody at that point. Just trust trust teammates. So
1: yeah. with the Apex, those two like, It's like two things. Like one, yeah, he does need to step up his own game because he's playing a lot of important spots. Um yeah. And I think especially with Vitality is alongside Zoe right now, is another consistent rotator. Um this kind of seems like something they're lacking, like RPK does a decent enough job as the anchor. Um Obviously, shocks. Eh. Um. He kind of varies from map to map, and but it seems like for me, like the someone needs to be like consistently in those like rotator spots. Like Apex is playing, or like shocks plays on some maps, uh, Masuta or whatever. Just like someone else that's like consistent alongside Zaihu. And another thing with Apex is like he definitely needs to like try to get a hold of his emotions more uh, when he's calling, because especially he's like the IGL. I know that was something I'm pretty sure Vitality's coach is pretty big on, like. The IGL being able to like keep their composure, um, especially when Alex was on the team in the past, mm-hmm. it was like an important thing for for him. And so Apex constantly just just kind of like up and wor- up and down like whirlwind of emotions, um, especially as like the IGL, and especially as like that's going to get even more important because as we'll get into later, like for some of these RMR events, you're not going to have the coach behind you uh, with you. So that's going to be a big thing he's going to need to start really working on and getting down to keep the team as more of a consistent, level headed.
2: Yeah, I was gonna mention it when we reached the ugly stage, but like with X has no longer able to contribute at all during matches, even during timeouts, these guys could really be in some trouble if if Apex isn't able to keep himself together in some of the late round matches that are happening.
0: Yeah. Let's let's get into the ugly. I think we kind of just talked about the bad there. So the ugly being the fact that they had a stream on in the background
1: was was definitely the yep. ugliest look for vitality there i Uh, i thought it was a bit uh overblown personally just Mm. knowing from like i'm pretty sure Vitality's in like a whole like hq right yeah like staff there they have like some players from other teams and i i mean i don't know how this how the like venue was laid out but i just assume they didn't really think about it i think it was like the big of a deal i assume this had staff in the back watching it uh behind the room where the players were and they just didn't really think about it and like i get like people like like yeah yeah i still think you should get like a fine for it right but mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's like as big a deal as some people make it out to be like some people are like trying to act like you have like the stream open right and like these coaches can fucking like read like fast rounds like oh my god i can see the setups they're running i can see like i know their yeah. entire economy like one like the re- the rounds is already like two rounds prior so like the, you yeah, already not- know what the economy is like it's you're really not getting that much useful info and by the it's- way people can just use fucking scorebot like that's having the stream open isn't gonna help i saw a twitter comment after this uh after that whole stream thing blew up and people were like oh
2: somebody tweeted out that the stream was in the background and now vitality are losing rounds
0: (laughs) it's like that may even (laughs) matter that happened in the
1: past it doesn't even change anything when you're a coach like you you don't really have time to just like like stare at like a fucking screen behind you and see what's happening like i know doing two rounds before like like The amount of useful info you can actually get from that is so fucking minimal. Like, it's not. I guarantee you, it's not like team matches as much as some people think it is. Like, like it's still like it still should be a rule. Like, you still should get in trouble for it. You still shouldn't have the stream open. And I do think a fine is appropriate. But I don't think like disqualifying a team from an event for it or like banning people would be necessarily just like would be like holding people accountable. Like I don't don't think I don't think it it was an egregious
2: case at all. Yeah. Like Isak before said that they would be harsh in terms of the penalties that they would that they would implement, but they also said that they now had individual player cams and cameras in in the player rooms that they would assess to actually determine that. And based on everything they released and just based on the the perspective that was offered, it doesn't seem like this is really that big of a deal as a lot of people were making it out to be um i agree like i think a fine is fine maybe ten thousand dollars is a little bit too slim uh for an org like vitality but at the same time like it's also not very difficult to just not have a stream on like near the players i don't think that's a that's a difficult issue to solve for a lot of these organizations uh so i can see why they were handed a fine but i don't think it was uh is as big of a case as people. But are yeah, familiar. by far
1: the most annoying thing for me is just from personal experience, like the amount of actual useful info that you'll gain from like walking the stream. Cause like any decent team will have already done like tons of prep on a team and like it'll kind of show you like what kind of setups or maybe what the other team has been kind of doing or leaning towards. But like it's already going to be stuff that you're expecting. Like you're not going to be getting any like groundbreaking info from it. Like it's really yeah. not going to help you like that much just seeing what teams have been doing it's- like two rounds prior.
0: Yeah, it'd be super rare to get anything. I feel like... There are very rare cases where it would help you like the Furia boost on vertigo, yeah. for example, like that that would be something. and kind of like it almost is like obvious. if you stream snipe that and then you just have a player walking out ramp looking straight <laughs> up at that boost, people are gonna be like, okay, we know you did something there. Like there's no
1: way you should have expected that. Like I would just think they're cheating outright, like wall hacking or something because so, like if I see someone like I'm looking at the stream from two rounds prior, and I saw that like you're playing nuke, right? And you saw the other team on CT side, like, boosted a player ramp. It's, like, I mean, I guess that's useful, but it's, like, what are the odds that when I go ramp this round that, like, they're gonna be boosted again? Like, if anything, it might help me to, like, not think the ramp, but, like, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna clear, like, the boost. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. Like... Yeah, exactly. You're probably
2: still running the same entry path that you originally planned, anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, cases, or, like, just a round-round basis where it would legitimately help you a lot, and I just... I just haven't really thought of anything personally, but yeah. maybe I'm just not fully exploring the possibilities.
0: I mean, I just, I just casted Rebirth versus Extra Salt in the Dreamhack Open NA thing, and Rebirth ran a different CT setup every round. Like, if yeah, Rebirth like, is doing it, it's not like pro teams are running the same setups, and you're going like, to get anything I'm, out of
1: it. If I'm like, if I'm like going to base the next round that I'm calling off what the other team is doing two rounds prior, like, there's a pretty good fucking chance I'm going to lose the round because I highly doubt <laughs> I'm going to be running into the same exact yeah. thing. Like. I can yeah. only. I literally like if I was trying to stream snipe with that. I literally think it would do me more harm than it would good, just based on the prep that I do before you, matches. You would have like, a
0: lack of focus for what's actually just happened in the most yeah. previous round. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I guess teams could hire like a yeah, that's second you know, like, or tertiary yeah. person to monitor it. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like you're you're playing. You're basically hiring someone to cheat, which is just like okay. I mean. There are orgs that are sketchy, hashtag be heroic, but, like, yeah. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> They're just, like, hiring people that have done stuff like that. But, it, like, it, that's just, like, that's a little far for my money, but, no. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man,
2: I put the offer out there. I will take up the opposite role, that you can hire me three grand a month. Like, I will be there just to turn the streams off for you before matches.
0: That'd be sweet of you. That'd be really awesome. Um, You could also just literally, if you're Vitality, that room behind him, just... Uh, rearrange the room so the couches <laughs> are on the other side and the TV is turned around and no one knows that it's happening at all. Um, Alright. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Liquid, the fourth place team here. And Liquid actually doing a pretty solid job, I would say, incorporating Fallen so far. So what did you guys What did you guys see in
1: Liquid? Uh, I think the main thing is going to help because I think they still have Stewie calling at the moment, right? Yes. Um, I don't know if like, they plan to transition that over time, but just like I felt like before, like they had Stu, uh, Moses, who like so they have a coach that isn't really caught up in the meta of um, current CS, so that doesn't really help them in terms of that stuff. Um, they had like Twist, Grim, and Math, which like all solid players, but not people that I think are going to be like a ton to like a team system or anything um, mm-hmm. in terms of like adding stuff like that. So it was just pretty much Stu and Alish. Um, I'm sure Alish has like some decent amount of input, but you know he's never called himself before. He's only been on one team for the past six years. Um so I think just adding in Fallen One obviously it helps clear up the roles a bit. I don't think Liquid was particularly happy with like how their roles were sorted on the previous version of the roster. And Fallen just brings experience even if he's not calling at the moment. It helps a lot to have that in the server, you know, in terms of how you do prep, how your entire team is set up, just having someone with like that prior guidance and experience really does help. Like It will help Stu as a caller because people think, like, oh, Stu's like still the IGL. So it's like, what was the point? But it's like, there's more to like a team than just like the IGL and like whatever Stu has in his mind. Like, if he's adding Fallen, like Fallen's going to add a bunch of shit. Like, he's going to have a lot of input. He's going to have like, he's going to add like his own philosophy to the team. And that itself is going to help Stu in his calling.
2: I think it also just brings like a little bit of tenure to the team in terms of like the nerves that they have during rounds. Like, there was a clip. Of them like going up lane side on Inferno, where the comms got super hectic, and Fallen's just like, okay. And he just like calmed everybody down in terms yes. of the comms, yeah. and he like concretely walked them through the steps, even though they probably knew it was the idea behind what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have somebody who can sort of anchor the players and their emotions in those sort of mid rounds is really important for a team like Liquid because they have the experience, and it's not like they make the wrong calls either, even with Stewie. They just seem like a team who doesn't have like every single bit of it down pat, especially with like a newer player, like grew in the lineup. So having fallen able to sort of anchor those players in that sense is, is like, incredibly valuable uh, just to, just to help keep them stable. And also having like a dedicated opera and opening Stewie up to be able to rifle and not able to lurk with his rifle a little bit more. Like that's also invaluable because there's peaks and duels that fallen is taking that, liquid and or sorry that stewie and NAF just wouldn't go for or they would go for it a little bit too late and when you miss those timing windows at that level it's just it's too little too late
0: yeah i think the the biggest thing for me or one not not the biggest thing i think everything you guys said is actually really important the fact that he was able to calm them down too in the in the comms was like really eye-opening and what he's actually bringing uh i think a huge added bonus of fallen is that NAF. Just gets to do NAFF things. Uh, this is actually—I I looked at his event history, and in terms of international events, this is the best he has played since the ECS Season Eight Finals. In terms of just pure rating. And I feel like that is no coincidence to the fact that he's able to just play more of the actual role that he does instead of having to do this like hybrid, hybrid role. And he doesn't know on CT side, am I going to opt this round or is Stewie going to opt this round? Am I going to rifle or what? And just knowing that he doesn't have to focus on his op at all is really nice. I mean, like he can still secondary if he wants, but Stewie will, I think secondary before NAF usually on this team already. And so... Um, I'm not counting events that were like only North American because there was a couple like mm-hmm. IEM, Beijing, NA. But in terms of actually against international competition, this is the best he's done for actually two years uh, or since 2019, that is. So
1: we can go I back remember. to the NAF that was like uh, when they played like uh, when they played Astralis, so, like the Face It Major a while ago on the group stage and like it went into overtime. And that was like, yeah, I just put pick up the NOP because you know, I felt like it. you mm-hmm. know. Picked up the second off because I was feeling it and you know he's like, Oh no, no, he said he said he picked up the second off because he was like tired of losing the rounds, so like a <laughs> shalt a big comeback. He's like, I was tired of losing every round, so I just picked up an off and then we won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean he can still do that if he wants to, but the fact I mean the, the fact that he doesn't have to like guess yes. about it,
1: it's just in his control now. So it's nice roles. It's like Nas doesn't have to worry about but maps he might have to be oping, like just in general like the overall team's philosophy stewie doesn't have to worry about should maf be oping on this map or this side should i be oping on this map or side you know yeah. like it's like yeah phone's the opper you know i'm stewie i'm gonna do stewie things maf is back to lurking and you know they're all very set in their roles they know like what each person is doing kind of what they're comfortable with
2: and that's just like a really irritating player on the server in terms of like the amount of impact he has when he's rifling so enabling him to do that i think you're bang on maui he's like Ava, allowing him to occupy that role again will just free him up a lot more in the future.
0: Yeah, those were the only four teams I uh, watched really closely, but did anybody else strike you um, strike you guys at Blast? If not, we could move
1: on. Flexity uh, has been striking me in a bad way, so I won't go too far <laughs> into that. Okay. I don't know. Dude, they just, JKS and BlameF are just not, it's not fit. Yeah.
0: Did you see uh, Haka's video on YouTube about how he said like JKS not fitting into the roster? Because uh, that was I did not. okay. So so Haka made a video where he kind of talked about how he watched a bunch of JKS demos and how he says that JKS is supposed to be the third man into a bomb site for for complexity, but he does like very very. It's almost like he's supposed to be the last. The way he kind of like routes in that he'll like on Mirage, for example, like the first two guys on B will jump out of the window. And then sometimes the third guy, you know, he goes towards bench side, but JKS would just sit sit on top of balcony and it's like, you're supposed to probably go in with them um as
1: opposed just, to just kind of watching. Like I agree like obviously just still playing with Yugi, so I don't know what yeah. to expect really from them. But like just there's just been rounds where like I see like like on Mirage, against guess I against what team I was against, but like it seemed like Yugi and Blame were are literally just like last alive every single round. Mm-hmm. And then there was there was literally a round where I think it was like Blame F and Yugi were left in like a 2v3 and Blame F was like 14 HP and had the bomb and Yugi was like 100 HP still and like Blame F had Yugi go to A and like throw a fake and like just give his life away so that Blame F could like sneak onto B with 14 HP and the bomb and I was like (laughs) you had a lot of time like you guys were both grouped together B and then like that was the decision you made on the 2v3 instead of just like trying to play it together like that was so weird and was just it, it struck me in a way like obviously that one specific round isn't like that big of a deal mm-hmm. but just like kind of like the overall mindset that i'm seeing from that is not good. like <laughs> Did you just like get the fuck away from me like, like I, was the- just, I was just so confused i was like instead of just going out together b apps like against one person on b yeah yugi to just like go die on a and like throw flashes over and then like try to fight and just die and then blame F just tried like sneaking out b like alone like i was just I weird I only see that kind of calling in
0: like ESEA advance and below or Asian CS. I yeah, don't I
1: like. like <laughs> I was like, this is such a severe lack of fundamentals that it just didn't reflect very well. On
2: I don't like, think it was even on a round where like the bomb plant money would have been super valuable for them either. Like,
1: it, yeah, I it think was it was like a 14
2: something round. Yeah, It was
1: really just like their attempt at like winning the round. I was like, this is bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I will say uh,
2: I I will say I did like Honda for Furia just in terms of like making a pretty decent appearance at the top level like that is a that is a baptism of fire that he's going through right oh, now between this and he's all right he didn't well he didn't impress me in terms of like the way he played the game like decision making and whatnot but he was able to compete in terms of his aim. Uh, I just don't know how well he'll apply this, like going forward, because he's just a player who who seems to do very well individually. And once teams sort of learn his habits, then he's going to be hard pressed to to keep it up. I think like he seems like to take a lot of inspiration from art in the way he plays, and he's just not as good at it. So
0: he's kind of to me like a poor man's Yakinder right now. Like yeah. he's just I, he's not as good as Yakinder is. And he tries to do, like you said, like art things also. Just that kind of aggressive style. And I feel like this was like probably the hardest tournament to try to make that style work. Like even even Yukinder, even art, it would have it was difficult. It would have been difficult for both of them. So it's uh I To be honest, I'm I'm like kind of on the other side of this. I feel like he played kind he kind of gave up a lot frequently he kind of struck me like the thing is when nevera kind of did this for vitality it was nice because he has an op and so when you have an op you can just hit one shot and fall off but with honda if he takes a slightly more extended duel he will just die or get he'll get maybe one and get traded a lot of the time so it feels kind it feels pretty unsafe for me i would say
2: Actually, you know what? That's a fair point because in in summit he was also picking up the op occasionally, and he was doing a really poor job with it. Like he was giving up a lot of rounds. So that, mm. That's actually a fair point.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Let's move on to some of the news that has come out. So this actually just broke today. There is a new coaching rule for the RMR stuff, and I know Mix, you're going to be upset about it. But first, before we get into your thoughts, let's just I'll just I'll just tell the uh, the listeners kind of what this was. So basically. Uh, coaches and support staff aren't going to be allowed in the same room as people during their RMR matches so basically they have their webcams on and they they won't even have the coach there which I find really like that feels like a lot but I I get it um I was curious and I don't know if you guys read this in further detail does that mean the coach can't even be
1: in the server too yeah they
2: they can't be in the server and they can't communicate with the players either so like even during timeouts they can't talk anymore
1: yeah i mean i get it for like the online stuff just because it's so hard to like police it like Mm -hmm. if you're like trying to be like coach and then like you're trying to limit them certain rules or like trying to watch them um i get that it can be hard to limit so they're just going the opposite route of just getting everyone else out but like i don't know it's just annoying that certain people have cheated and ruined it for everyone else and then i think yeah. part of the problem was also that none of these people were like held accountable or like not not like none of them but some of them weren't you know just continued to keep going and then you know just the fact that like you know obviously the thing with Peta, like he like tweeted that like he literally had told valve about the bug before and there just wasn't like a good way to reach them and so you know mm. part of this is like it is a, it is was it is a result of a bug in the game you know, it's not like you're purposely getting into this position. Well, generally, some people were, but you know, and so we're getting kind of punished for, one, the bug that Valve kind of just ignored, or just didn't have the proper channels to address, and then Valve doesn't really seem to address that at all.
2: Yeah, like, taking zero accountability from from Valve on this entire issue is a little bit Ridiculous in my eyes. Like they obviously did have a couple of people tell them about this over the last few years, and until it became such a major issue, they did nothing about it. So trying to claim that that it's all in the coaches and now they're they're doing these blanket bans is is a little bit egregious in that sense. um Also, the way they sort of rolled out these bans is a bit concerning because they've said that they're basing the number of tournaments that these coaches can't or a number of majors that these coaches can't attend are based on the isic demerit points, but those isic demerit points are broken down by a table and the way that table breaks it down, most of these coaches, uh, even the ones who didn't do uh, too much in terms of like the actual van, uh, would be ruled out for the next like four to five majors, which is uh, a little bit concerning. So until that gets clarified, uh, I think it's really hard to make a concrete judgment on
1: on the latest. <laughs> Yeah. Once again, lack of communication completely from Valve. But uh, I mean, I liked everything else that they have done. You know, got some stickers. studying. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a nice little uh, transition. I wasn't expecting stickers, so you know, that was nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, 100 Thieves stickers, Gen G stickers. I mean, I'm gonna load up all my guns and support my favorite CSGO team. Oh wait. Don't <laughs> have
1: I'm pretty sure <laughs> neither of the players from those teams are gonna get like any money from that. I don't know how that works the contracts and stuff, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> I don't even know if the players are getting money from these because
2: they're team stickers. There's no uh, player autograph signatures. Well,
1: I'm just saying, like, from like in the past, where like the teams, like the players would get like kind of like a lot of the money from the stickers, from like the, even the team stickers. Ah, okay. um, so I have no idea how that's going to work now, but for some of the teams, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I, uh, all I know is that.
0: If I buy any of these capsules, you, you'd have to probably buy the... I think the Challengers one is going to be the best value. I don't think any of those... But if you get an Amiga sticker, you're screwed. No one's going to buy it. That was worth nothing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this because I've actually made a lot buying like just team sticker capsules. Like, it's, it's surprisingly very easy to, like, recognize which of these capsules is probably going to be worth the most. I guess the Legends one would probably be worth the most, but you always feel bad about not buying the one with Tyloo, because the Tyloo stickers always just go crazy up. Like, I have, I have so many Tyloo stickers right now that are worth, like, probably several hundred dollars, and I didn't even spend that much money on it, so it's...
1: And it's, it's just always, funny because yeah. it's like shout out to 100 teams who now has like two stickers in the game and <laughs> yeah, zero I, majors played <laughs> I, know, I know that's actually that is funny that is, that is really funny they, they they're always the, the teams
0: that are just out of it it's just it's i weird. don't know how they keep pulling this off but shout <laughs> outs out nate shot for doing it once again man the art He's of done. the deal dude jesus yep it's All just right.
2: more money they can put towards their next hoodie collection
0: Yo, excellent, dude! They did a sh- they did like a photo shoot in Joshua Tree that probably cost literally zero dollars to pull off, other than just gas money. Man, they are they're killing the game with those with those. Uh... But also, they they reset the RMR standings, so this is. I think no, you you know how this broke down a little bit better, right? It's yeah. Bit...
2: So essentially, they they took the teams that were legends, contenders, and challengers last year, and they. Uh, gave those teams stickers this time around, and then they reset the point standings entirely. But to give the teams that did play last year some form of a of a bonus, they gave the teams that were legends 600 points to start this year, uh, contenders 300 and challengers 100. So they start with some form of a base of points at least. Uh, but then overall, the, the point standings are entirely reset, building up to the PGL major at the end of this year. It also sort of makes a little bit more sense because we have a bunch of teams in North America who've now gone to Europe and will spend the majority of their year in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. So those teams would have, regardless, have had to have their points reset, and the scaling of the points would have just been really off by the time we reached the major.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I honestly wouldn't have liked to see them just keep power creeping the the total of events or like the the points at it because it already like we we talked about this a little bit before we started the pod but it would just gotten ridiculous in terms of uh like i don't even like how do they scale it like Ten thousand points for the next armor and it just makes the ones old the old ones just feel completely useless and it's just harder to keep track of the numbers in general so this just makes things cleaner i will say i feel kind of bad for the teams that just barely didn't make it so i think like like what was it um team one i think just barely had less points than the team that was right above them and now they have zero points for example so that that does suck to see but it had to the, the line had to be drawn somewhere um But like 50 points would have been kind of nice to give them a nod. But all in all, I think this is pretty good.
2: I think it's the best solution they really could have have offered in terms of the points.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's move into some roster moves here. So Cloud9, they're already playing at CS Summit. And by the time this comes out... uh, Well, actually, nothing's really going to change. It will just be the game versus NIP. But Cloud9 actually announced that they added Zeppa, and now he's played a little bit with you guys, and you have also, Mix, been promoted to assistant coach from from Analyst, and also Elma Putty is slotting in, slotting in now as your guys' full-time coach, so how's it working with him? Let's just, yeah.
1: Uh, I'm actually really excited to work with him. Um, there was actually a possibility, uh, the past season, before, like, the whole Gen G team, uh, kind of got dropped or whatever, that I was gonna, like, join G as, like, assistant coach and kind of partner with Elma. Mm-hmm. Um, of like whatever the potential lineup they were gonna have which I think I think it's pretty widely known now that it was gonna be like vanity Zeppa and then like the core three so that was like a possibility of something that was gonna happen so I'm excited to and at the time I had no idea like the casscade this leaving thing was a possibility so um getting Ellen, in I'm pretty excited to work with him as his assistant coach as well um, so I guess things just kind of worked out in that way um he's been really good so far really love working with him and having zeppa has uh, been really nice. Um, res- I think it's still like because we were already like a new team, like we hadn't really played that much together compared to most teams. So you know, slotting in now. So now Alex is getting used to oping. Um, I think people will be kind of surprised at how actually uh, pretty good he is on it. Um, at least so far, at least as, as, um, at least how far he's been adjusting so far. Um, and yes, yeah, so, I mean we're still just kind of like getting set. I don't think things are super clear cut in the team yet in terms of roles, and not necessarily roles, but just in terms of everyone being comfortable in their spots, and you know, people just being comfortable overall just as a new team, Alex getting used to a new role, Zeppa getting used to a new team, so still a long ways to go, but uh, I'm pretty excited for this roster. No, you have any
0: you have any thoughts on this move?
2: I'm just happy to see Zeppa not move to Valorant, honestly. <laughs> uh, just Same. Zepa's way too good of a player to have had to move, Same. and in fact, like, I messaged him uh, when Vanity announced that he was moving and asked him, like, hey, are you moving as well? And he said, yeah. So I was planning on writing, like, a whole chaos chaos move to the game. And then within 24 hours, I find out that there's that report that came out that he was um, staying in in C9 um, from, like, one PVFR and HLTV. So I was like, oh. he he lied to you no no no. back when he told (laughs) me when uh, he told me uh, it wasn't confirmed like he he was actually about to move and then within 24 hours that all changed so i was i was actually genuinely sad that he was gonna change games um so yeah i'm just glad to see him i think cloud nine are just in general like a really interesting team to watch based on the the players that they have um i hope that they can continue improving i think with zeppa and, and uh alex on the op it'll be interesting to watch them over this next couple of months
0: yeah you guys i mean you guys just played two series so far with this roster and i didn't really catch the furia one but i will say in the nip one on train you guys you guys played that one pretty well on the t side i mean the way that that game ended up you guys honestly looked pretty comfortable
1: overall and and you I, had a pretty shit t side against furia Um, But also, that was really Alex's first time actually calling a match on it in like fucking two years or three years or something. So, right. They never played Um, it. Yeah. yeah, So, it's still, Alex is still getting used to calling on train. And, you know, like, I think that's a pretty big adjustment from not playing train at all to one, going back to playing train and calling on it. And two, now having like also OPing on it. um, Yeah. Having to adjust the OPing still. So, Um, Alex has a really underrated work ethic just because he never really talks about it. But, like, you know, Once he learned that, like, you know, or like once he decided he was going to transition to the opera and we were, they're going to bring Zeppa, like he plays a ton of FPL, plays a ton of retakes, you know, just, he does a ton of shit just to get himself into that kind of, uh, get himself acquainted with the role just, you know, outside of scrims and stuff. Yeah. I think he 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 just plays a lot of CS and watches a lot of shit and just, I think just kind of thinks of it as like a normal day, you know, normal routine.
0: Yeah, you definitely. If you're switching to the op, you you have to play a bunch of FPL. I don't. I. It would actually just pain me to think about an opera that doesn't play FPL. Like actually, like I don't. I mean, I can't even really think of any. I mean, I guess Device is probably one of the few. Yeah, the device that do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What?
1: So they, even the Device plays FPL here and there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just. Yeah, you need to do it to keep yourself sharp on multiple things. It's just like you never really know what's coming and you just have to be ready for so many different types of things for um and that's what FPL is actually going to make you good at despite all of its uh all of its flaws and how the lack of structure and things obviously will make it feel a little little stupid at times, but if you're not hitting those shots as an opera then when are you going to hit them? So that is that's nice to hear that he has that. Okay. So uh is I actually have a question for you, Mix though. So you guys haven't played train with Alex at all. And now Elma's on the roster. What's 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 the deal with that? Elma Elma just had a really good a really good train team.
1: Yeah. Well it was that and also that like when he joined, we kind of like I think before everyone didn't like overpass, like initially, like when the initial lineup form, like Walksick and Kassad, um was like the map people didn't care to play. And now it seems like that's kind of transitioned over to like Mirage is kind of like the map, obviously, that we've been permit banning uh, in Summit so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of tradition from like one, we already weren't comfortable on Mirage with the previous lineup. Like it wasn't like that sick of a map for us or anything. And yeah, so Chris was coming in, um and Mirage and Train was like a map he did really good on with Genji. So mm-hmm. like uh with you know, Genji was really impressive on train, right? I think that was something you caught out yourself. And um yeah. that was I pretty much them. mostly it was pretty much mostly like Elma's system, like um his like kind of his, his defaults, his like way of like looking at the T side and stuff. And mm-hmm. then Kuso was just kinda of calling off of that. And so it's been a pretty similar thing in this lineup so far. Um, which probably helps Alex in terms of, you know, getting used to the map. Um so mostly Elma's system was pretty clear cut and then it allows Alex to kind of call around that. And so we also just had like a pretty decent like train lineup already, I think. Like we had a pretty natural way. Like uh Will on the second op, also at Ivy has been really sick for us. Um, he's like another person that's like pretty underrated on the ops. So it's good to see, good to get him uh, using up more. And so, you know, we have S and Zeppa outside, which is like a pretty nasty duo. Uh, floppy at Inner is like, he's always been pretty good at enter, even like on the old C9 yeah. team. So mm-hmm. it was an easy thing to pretty much carry over. Sweet. Uh, other
0: move recently, the Extremum roster is actually. Officially announced their, their lineup, which is basically the core three or core four, actually, of 100 Thieves in Jacob, Azer, Liaz, and Gratisfaction. But instead of JKS, they've got Bentet. And yeah. I to think me, like, is, yeah,
1: I was just gonna say, like, I feel like this roster is gonna be like the exact same place as they were before, just <laughs> having JKS, like, having Bentet like, ben will be a bit of a different player than JKS, so placing different slots would be more aggressive, so it could yeah. change them in that way. But like in terms of like the overall peak and like how I think the team is gonna go down, which is probably bent at carrying a lot of the time, and then mm-hmm. JKM kind of like the second part, and some of the other players maybe still struggling to pick up the pace. I mean, it could help Liaz. Yeah, that I was is, thinking that that is,
0: that that is possible.
1: That is that is one thing uh, I'm interested to see how that that is like the one factor that I think could take them to a different level was if Liaz yeah. is able to feel more comfortable in certain roles, and you know, it kind of helps out not having the Bente with JKS. Obviously, that just kind of depends on how Bentet actually fits into the team, so I guess we'll see.
2: Yeah, I think without seeing uh, how Bentet slots in, I think this team will still just be like where they were before in terms of like fringe top 10 (laughs) sort of level. Because from Um, from
1: scrimming them, it just kind of felt like the same, where it was like, they were kind of like solid, and then it felt like there was just one player on the other team that was just fucking owning us the entire scrim, which is Bentet in the past that would have been JKS. mm -hmm. So it kind of felt very similar. Yeah. I think
2: one thing that might help them is that they're not in North America now. They're like playing mostly in true, Europe. And true. that might be able to help them get past the barrier that they had before. Cause again, when they had that major run, they were boot camping in Europe ahead of it. And that's sort of what really helped them hit that level. So maybe that will help them improve a little bit over time. But I just don't know whether they can reach like the consistent Astralis Navi vitality level and hold onto that.
0: You know what would have been sick? If if the players that were on HLTV's top 20, uh, instead of making their bold predictions for whoever they did, they just said Ben Tet, because he hasn't been on a top 20 list. But I think he can get on one now. I think this is the <laughs> roster for him to, yeah, to finally break exactly. into the top 20. No, so, I think it could happen. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's that's probably where I'm most hyped about this. Also, I'm, I'm a little bit hyped about Lies probably getting a little bit more space to work with. So, both of those actually, I feel like this roster will be like, whereas the last 100 Thieves roster always kind of felt like between eighth and 12th in the world. This one will, at one point, actually, I think make it to fifth in the world, but I feel like they can go as low as 16th too. Like, I feel like the range for them is so much greater because um, instead of having a super solid star that's passive, they're having a super, super solid star that's aggressive. And I feel like your variance is just always going to be a higher when that's how you're building your team. So, I'm, I think we all can agree that this is a team that we're very excited to watch and that we are very glad is still in the CSGO space. Because if I mean, With if the roles,
1: f- I couldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see like the roles shake out. It's like maybe JKM playing worse than he did before. Maybe Leah's mm-hmm. playing better and Bentet's playing better. So like maybe Leah's and JKM kind of swapped because of the roles. but we'll see how JKM adapts and how Leah's adapts. I think Jacob's just going to play worse
0: because he's used to playing with Apex right now, and that's going to make him a little bit slow to start. I'm just <laughs> kidding. That team was... That team I was, was going
2: to say, rip that like Norwegian super <laughs> team <laughs> <that was laughs> supposed yes, to be
0: happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't write that down, but basically... Uh, what, I, I don't know. Did you guys look at the new Apex roster? Like, it's They're trying to go more Swedish with it, I think, right now. I, who did they... I, I don't the problem is like I bring up this topic oh, yeah. and it's just like the Galaxy Racer players um in Freddy Frog is I think on the team now. I can't remember who they announced other than that, but personally I've only I only watched them play a couple times, so I can't really give you guys like a super hot take, but this will probably be better than what they had before. No flame to Norway.
2: They have Dennis and Krios.
0: They've had they've had Dennis for a long time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: we have had he has
0: yeah. been he has been like consistently their most obviously experienced player, but not doesn't necessarily mean he's their best player. And like he always makes the right decisions and clutches sometimes, but he's he's not like a mega firepower player for them.
2: Shows you how much attention I play to pay attention to Apex. <laughs> to Apex, okay.
0: Um, all right, one thing um on a slightly sadder note is that Kusta retired. So do you guys want to bring out your eulogies for this man? And a uh,
1: rising star for 4 years straight. I feel bad um, cuz I feel like he could have there's potential for him as an IGL. He's a really solid role player, just super versatile. Yeah. Um, but I'm not too surprised by it just because Kusta isn't so much like a Counter-Strike player as much as he is just like a fucking gamer. So like <laughs> I don't think he really had interest in like moving to Europe to like play Counter-Strike. And so, like, his other option was, like, just staying in NA and playing Valorant just because, you know, like I said, he just plays video games. He's just fucking good at every game he touches. He's one of those guys. So, yeah, we perfectly fine in Valorant. And I think he preferred to switch games rather than switch continents, essentially. So, yeah, I heard
2: I heard <laughs> the exact same thing. I think I think it's the best decision for him at this point. It does sort of suck because he seemed to be one of those flex players who could fit into any role and did a pretty good mm-hmm. job at it. Uh, I'm not going even mention that in an interview I did with him, but um, I don't know. I guess there's just no teams that would have picked up him as a player at the moment. Like maybe he would have been able to be a decent six man for Liquid if they were interested, but uh, aside from that, like I, I just don't. There's there's no opportunities open for him at this point. Uh, if you want a eulogy, he he was a molotov that burned bright uh perhaps a little bit late on the timer (laughs) but in the end he did fade out and now let him burn bright in valorant instead
0: r.i.p that's kind of how i actually described him in the the little youtube video i made that he's just he's like he's he was na's ember for a while he was just one of those coals that's just you know he's never the big flame or anything but he uh Honestly, just kind of kept it going, kept the spirits up for his rosters, and just like you said, he did everything. So it's it's a shame to see actually him move away, but I, I agree too. I feel like I, I just feel like he's gonna own it, Valorant personally, because any really anyone that was really good at CS has had a re- very for the most part a pretty easy switch to Valorant from what I have seen. Um, Nitro being like kind of one of the the best CS players that switched and then just had a good time. Uh, Steel as well. I would say they're both doing incredibly well, and I think Kusa, in the NA space, is
1: pretty Kusa far up there. Like, yeah, I would say because Kusa is one of one of those other players. Is like because like Nitro and Steel, like they kind of had a similar thing in common where it was like, you know, Nitro he didn't like leave CS just because he wasn't getting any offers and no one wanted him. Like he left Liquid, and then from there he pretty much decided he was going to 100th Team and Valorant. Still, mm-hmm. kind of a similar thing. Like he could have easily been in a top team if not for the major ban. So it just kinda of made sense that he would switch over and have success. And yeah. Kuz is like another one of those players, like for it's like yeah, he's necessarily he's kinda of like switching over just because like he can't find a team. But that's not so much because he's not good enough. It's more so just because like if he wants to find a decent team, he pretty much has to go to Europe at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um and I, it's not really something he wants to do. And I don't assume he cares about CS enough to like wait around when he could just switch to Gen G Valorant and just continue playing, getting a salary and everything, so yeah, I assume you
0: probably get the same salary, right? Like, he's probably under a similar contract, if not the exact same. He just switch yeah. the word Valorant for CSGO.
1: Probably. Something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that for him.
0: Also, I kind of like. I actually do like the Genji Valorant team, if people pay attention to that side of things. But, um. Yeah, shouts out Demond. But we'll move on from that one. And, uh. Here is a is a trio that has uh, had some difficulties in finding some footing. So I'm talking about Sunny, Flesha, and Automatic. And I feel like this lineup three years ago would be a top ten team in the world. But this year, I feel like this team would be pretty lucky to scrape the top fifteen. And uh, so, what do you guys what do you guys think of this lineup's potential? Like,
1: what do you guys think this team needs, or what do you guys think? um just as that core three this is a much more interesting team i don't know why i get this vibe, but i think it's much more interesting once they go back to land once things are more on land, this team like it obviously like the big thing for me is like sunny's form and whether like how her perform on the on like a new team because obviously Ents, was just kind of a shit show but he also wasn't performing that well at the end of mouse so it's like what's going on there is he going to be able to even get back to a decent form um but for me yeah this is a team that like in the online era that would probably hover around like the top 15 but i think in like a land-based era i don't think there'd be like top five or anything but i think they could be like in a similar position maybe to where like like even like where like the old 100 100s roster was um in terms of like on land, maybe even a bit better um a bit more rounded obviously it depend on like the last two players they would get um in terms of how how they would round out um but i think there would be potential there
2: yeah I think the players they get to round it out is pretty key like is Sonny gonna be the in-game leader on this team is flush gonna be in game leading? have they I don't know if they've actually uh said anything in terms of that, but like role wise, if none of them are in game leading, I think it could just fit really well. the players would slot in into their own sides pretty well but i I'm hesitant to see like if Sonny's in game leading, I don't know how all well the team will do like Fleshy- for me.
1: The the key would be one, like this team would need like just another solid like role player just to kind of fill out some of the holes. Yeah. because um, like someone like like I think that would have that flusher would have like priority over and they could just fill in the roles. You know, maybe someone like Kusta or something. Um <laughs> But also also like the kind of like make or break thing thing for me for this team, just because I'm not counting on Sunny getting back to like top form is like they need like a super sick like player that they build around, like a like like cuz automatic hasn't really been that like a, a bentet Yeah, maybe like a set. um literally <laughs> like, a, like like a kusa and bentet would have done really yeah. well here yeah <laughs> uh, maybe like a kusa and bentet i don't know that's that's a bit crazy but um <laughs> like just having like a star like being like, built around someone younger you know um i don't i'm not really drawing the clear name as like who that would be at the moment but it, someone like that that they would be building around to be like their main star to be the guy that is Consistently making like the top fifteen in the HLTV top twenty type, you know, like someone like that. Like an oboe. Obo is be I think oboe's a bit above their pay grade. That's uh, that's a bit high of a of a superstar to go for. I think he <laughs> putting on his, his his top offers. Where do you okay, actually
0: that's an interesting question. Uh where do you like where is Oboe going for you guys? I don't know.
2: I have no <laughs> idea, man.
0: Like can he just be a six man on EG or something? Like, I wouldn't give me that. Give me that. I don't know. Sure. I don't know
1: what Obo's up to.
0: He's just chilling, I guess. Dude, give me Obo on. Give me Obo on the Extremum roster as a six man. Give me Obo on EG or Liquid as a six man. Give me. God, I feel like Obo could just be on the best MDL team, and they would just make way for him instantly. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: That'd be kind of the make or break thing for me for this lineup in terms of if they can actually like be like a really sustainable top team is finding like that that key piece.
2: Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's just such a weird trio to come back together in 2021. Like it came sort of out of the blue. And so given like a lot of teams moving to six-man rosters, it's hard to to sort of just come up with players that they could round out their roster with because there's no real like, talent that would fit well into the lineup that they need that are available yeah.
0: yeah i agree with that uh actually this just happened today also um i don't know if you guys saw but chris j actually is going is playing for fpx on loan right now
1: oh yeah we sprinted on the other day yeah he's right. actually the in-game leader um yeah i actually like that move because one, I thought Chris J did a pretty decent job at in game leading and the 2018 Miles lineup. Like, they weren't doing anything. They weren't like crazy, like, you know, crazy leadership or anything. But, like, for a team that was like kind of just like a ragtag group of people um, that kind of just got thrown together, like, it was pretty much, I think at the time they were kind of just considered like budget phase, right? You know, just kind mm-hmm. of this group that kind of thrown together. And for what they had, I think Chris J did a pretty decent job at calling. Like, they were a pretty decent top five team for a lot of their lifespan. And now, since then, Chris Jay has just played a year, like two years, with Kerrigan, which can probably only help for his experience and how he sees the game and everything. So, as long as Devil Walk is doing a good job at coaching and providing like a good guidance for him and helping him, um, and obviously, I think a big plus for him is that he'll have Stiko with him again, which I'm sure, which I'm pretty sure was a big help for him and now at the time in the past. So, I actually really like the move. I think it's a good move for FBX.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think it's a pretty good move all around, both for Chris J and for FPX. I like the the Chris J's deco combination as well. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually I actually casted the first game and the only game they have played so far, and they barely lost to EG. It was super uh, close. It was two maps, but they actually took EG to overtime on on EG's pick of Inferno, and then they played uh, a thirteen to sixteen loss on Nuke to EG as well. Like To come into it as a team with probably, I don't know, a week of practice, maybe 10 days or so of practice, that's a really impressive result because EG came to Europe very hungry. So to play them that close, I I just think that... All in all, if they had a couple more plays up their sleeve, or didn't, take the, okay, they did this at the beginning of in, beginning of Inferno. They dug themselves into like a three to six hole because they four spot for four rounds straight because every round they EG had like zero players or one player alive or very low numbers essentially and they just kept thinking they could break them eventually and it just backfired they lost every round and if they didn't do that they could have won inferno just outright so this team had a chance of beating EG on their map pick in their first official together and that's that's just crazy so um if they don't do weird ec- econ shit like that i feel like this team is actually a top 15 team for my money um okay so This is going to be the question of the day. Uh, We're going to wrap things up a little bit quicker this time around. So in a world, in a hypothetical world, where only Na'vi, Astralis, and, and Vitality win every single tournament, what percentage splits of frequency do they win these tournaments with? And we'll start with Note.
2: All right, well... I have to clarify, are we talking land tournaments or are we talking about online tournaments?
0: Okay, let's do this then. Let's do, for this year, let's say the second, let's say everything after June is on land. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not a fortune teller here with COVID, but let's <laughs> say the next five months, let's say the next five months are online and then the final six months of what the year. What is your uh,
1: COVID relief pan now, Snake? Just want to know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. How are we getting there, huh? Okay, uh, so
2: for the online portion, I would say I would honestly put, like, Navi and Vitality as, as the two teams that would be winning the majority of those. I want to say, like, ooh. maybe Navi, like, if they keep the form they're in right now, I would say, like, Navi at 45%, Astralis at, like, 20 and Vitality at, I guess, 35%. Yeah, i am I'm bad at math. <laughs> Sounds good. And then, I guess when we go back to LAN... I think Astralis as long as they realize that Bubski is not a good player to fill in on Nuke with <laughs> um, we could be like I can honestly see like this being really even in the latter half of the year like I would almost say 33 33 33 across wow. the board because yeah Na- NaVi was playing really well right before we went online last year and like just in general all of these teams can be pretty consistent with the preparation they have going into events so
1: mm-hmm.
2: i can I would say like thirty three thirty three thirty three when we get to
1: land I'm going a completely different way I'm saying even considering like online, I think last year like wasn't uh i don't know just in general if they're like these three teams are winning every tournament, I'm saying it's like sixty five percent Astralis. Oh. um <laughs> uh, and then like, what's the remaining percentage like twenty percent navi and like fifteen percent vitality Wow, I was. I was going to go with something pretty similar to that. I was going to do,
0: like, I was thinking 50% Astralis, 30% Navi, and 20% Vitality, actually. I feel like the cracks are starting to show for Vitality a little bit more. And I think that simple is like really hungry this year. Yeah. Um, I mean like, it's, it, it's just, one tournament but like I feel like he's just he just wants that number
1: 1. Vitality like just doesn't have the frag power to consistently compete against Astralis. Navi has the fragging power but I don't think they have necessarily this the overall team structure to yeah, consistently would compete agree with that. Astralis. And like it seems like Astralis just has like I think Astralis has a leg up on Vitality both in teamwork and like and uh, individual skill. And then mm-hmm. I think Navi has a bit of a leg up in terms of individual scale, especially with Simple and Electronic. Um, but even then, it's like I don't think I don't necessarily think like Perfecto, flamey and Boomich compared to like Glaves, Nixon. Uh, who else would I compare the that juice. to? Just, like just probably yeah. Like it's like Simple and Electronic are better than Device and uh, Dupree. Um, I'd say, especially Dupree's. I mean, especially Electronics is definitely generally going to be better than the Pre, but, like, the other three just fill the gap so much better than, than Navi has.
0: Yeah, I feel like people almost, like, it's it's almost like they underrate the individuals sometimes of Astralis, though. And I feel like across the board, other than Zywu, Astralis are just better than Vitality. I think the yeah. only person on Vitality that kind of holds up against Astralis' players is, like, shock sometimes like it's weird it's it's like uh, yeah yeah, i I wouldn't pick one player and be like this person's better than uh dupree on there's no one that's better than dupree there's no one or other than other than zywoo um device and dupree are just better than everybody majisk is probably is better than everybody uh i would say like between glaive and zip they're good in their own rights they provide a lot that I don't think anybody would a Vitality lot more does. Than, like,
1: even like shocks those are like, yeah, yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah, you guys uh, present
2: a very convincing argument. I'm very yeah. tempted to to adjust <laughs> my Astralis rating here <laughs> <laughs> So, like a 45 maybe for Astralis. And then, Jeez. yeah, I'd say, like, okay, I, I will adjust. I'll say 45 Astralis on land and then Navi probably 30, 35 and Vitality the rest.
1: Okay.
0: If if I add liquid to this equation, where do they fall? Where how much percent do they
1: take away, and and who do they take it away from? Yeah, I think mean, <laughs> at the moment I'm like not even sure how much. I'm I am giving the percentage. Like, I want I want you guys to answer first because I have my answer. <laughs> I'm, I'd maybe say like sixty percent Astralis, and then like twenty, maybe like twenty percent Navi. So then I'd yeah. probably give like. Vitality like fifteen percent, and like liquid like the other five percent at the moment. I haven't yeah. seen enough of liquid to to really give them more at the moment.
2: Yeah, likewise, I, I think it's really hard to make a call on liquid. I would say I'd keep Astralis in that case at forty five. Say probably Navi still at thirty five, and then Vitality would go down a bit and give give um, liquid maybe five or ten percent.
0: Okay. My mine is actually Astralis's percentage goes up, and Liquid would just more than <laughs> anything. <laughs> Liquid would just be zero percent, but somehow Astralis just gets more <laughs> because Liquid would take out the other two teams sometimes. So that's uh. You got
1: Liquid still zero percent for Liquid, but Astralis bumps <laughs> up to like eighty percent. Yeah, exactly. Astralis goes up to seventy-five
0: percent for me, and then it's a twenty percent and five percent vitality, twenty percent navi, five percent vitality. Uh, that's so <laughs> okay, um, I think that'll do it here for this episode. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining. I'm gonna plug the fact that we do still have a Patreon, and we didn't have a Patreon question today, so you guys do donate to us, but so make sure to submit a question. I, I know that was probably hard to remember as your bank accounts were drained, then you just said, you know what, I want to support these creators for the excellent work that they're doing, but be sure to support, uh, submit questions because. We want that question in the middle of the show to spice things up. Uh, other than that, uh, reminder that once again, sh- be sure to subscribe on your podcast uh, po- uh, application of choice, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We're on all three of those. We're also on Podbean in case you want the RSS feed. Um, so that's that's pretty much my shout out. You guys, Mix, what? what's your shout out of the day? Uh,
1: shout out to uh, OC. Sweet. <laughs> Who just lost to rebirth, by the way. It happens. Okay, they're just coming back from break in some time. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> um
1: just yeah, shout no. out
2: shout out my Twitter here at note. Um but also I think if you guys have suggestions for guests, feel free to also leave them in the comments. Maybe we can uh, pull from those over time as well.
0: That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Be sure to yeah, comment comment a guest you guys want because not only will you guys I, give us new ideas, I'm but old. algorithm. What? What'd you say? They're going to suggest like Zywu. What, dude, let's just get Elma Putty on, actually. I mean, probably
1: be down. I'll do it. I'll ask him. Okay, cool.
0: Um, Pranogo, are you there? Or did you fall? Okay, no, you're I here. did
2: not fall asleep. I promise.
0: Pog. What's, po- your sh- what's your shout out, Pranogo? My bed is a very good place to be.
1: Damn, this and, man and is tired.
0: <laughs> Any fellas want to join me? I'll be uh, waiting.
1: i just got a weighted blanket so shout out to that as well
2: there you go shout out weighted blanket shout out my twitter you saw it a
0: couple of times in this show if you were watching i don't know why you're
2: watching if you were but there you go (laughs) i just listened man double speed let's go pogchamp shout out double speed shout out pogchamp (laughs) i don't care what twitch do and that's my shout out
0: sweet shout out komodo hype in the chat when i'm on your screens. That's my emote. I'm, I am taking that. That is mine. It's a snake. Okay. It's not a lizard. That is a snake. So Komodo hypes in the chat. Uh, all right. That's going to be it here for episode 11. We should actually have another episode pretty shortly for you guys, but hopefully you guys enjoy this one. It's just trying to get an episode out and get us back in the flow of things. But other than that, peace out everybody.